0: Welcome back to the Montgomery Company's podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I'm with Cody Foster, who I got introduced to from David Nurse and Brad Lominick. Shout out to those guys, authors, speakers, podcast hosts. And they said, you have got to get Cody Foster on your podcast, because this guy is for real. He's a leader of people, he's strong in his faith, he leads his family, he's the king of Topeka, Kansas. And you need to get to know Cody. So we're going to do that today. We're going to get to know Cody together. Cody's a new friend. But I want to tell you about Cody Foster. Cody Foster is the co-founder of Advisors Excel, one of the fastest growing and most influential financial services companies in the U.S. today. He's also the host of the Business of Advice podcast. He interviews thought leaders, captains of industries, and best-selling authors. Today, we're going to talk about corporate culture, why hiring is crucial. And how to maintain excellence while delegating. We'll talk about the power of connection, faith, family, and much more. Welcome to the show, Cody Foster. Good to have you.
1: Thank you, Jordan. I think you probably exaggerated some of that. So um, that that sounds like a David Nurse introduction almost. So it's, <laughs> but I, I do appreciate those guys connecting us and excited to be here with you today.
0: Well, we always refer to David Nurse as the ultimate encourager. You know, if you want to be encouraged, yes, he is. Just spend <laughs> a little time with David Nurse, you'll feel great. Uh, yep, but. but David's a huge fan of yours. Brad's a fan of yours. I've quickly become a fan of yours. Tell us why Topeka, Kansas is the greatest place on
1: earth. Well, I guess it's easy to be king of Topeka, as you said. No, <laughs> it's um, I, I don't know if it's the greatest place to be on earth, but it's it's where I'm at. Right. So I, I think one of my goals is to try and make it the greatest place uh, on earth. And I think a lot of you see that now with a lot of businesses uh, trying to make the communities that they're a part of be the best that they can be. So it's where I came to uh, college. So I came to a small division two school here called Washburn University, Uh, met David, who's my business partner here on the very first day of school. Uh, So for me, Topeka is kind of where I grew up, Um, you know, went to college here, started my first job out of college, was in this industry that I'm in today, was there for four years before Dave and I left to start Advisors Excel. So uh, for me, it's where family's at. It's where our business is at. uh, And I, I do say, I think. It's a town full of incredible people. I think it's been the competitive advantage in our business. We're a service-based business. We just have so many amazing people to work here. And, and I think that's, you're in the Midwest too. We talk about it a lot, just kind of Midwest hospitality and, and work ethic. And it's been a big part of our success story for sure.
0: Well, I want people to know about your background because um, I appreciate your love for Topeka. And um, mm-hmm. what I didn't realize is you're originally from Western Kansas and yep. come from real humble beginnings. So we have a lot of our listeners, Iowans, Midwestern folks that probably can relate to this, but tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your background, Cody.
1: Yeah. So grew up, as you said, grew up in Western Kansas, uh, about three and a half hours west of Topeka. Um, my my parents moved there in the mid seventies. My grandparents were, uh, I'd say entrepreneurs, I guess is the best way to describe it and moved from Southern California to Western Kansas in the, the mid seventies, which had to be a culture shock, I'm sure, um, but grew up there, ended up coming to school at Washburn because a gentleman from my hometown endowed a scholarship that made it free to come to Washburn. So, um, you know, I had a lot of friends that went to places like K-State, KU, other big universities, which were probably a lot more fun back in the the mid-90s, but um being Washburn was what I could afford. I came to Washburn. So, which also gives me not to get off topic, whole different perspective on the student loan thing, but <laughs> we, we won't get off on that. Uh, so came to school, at Washburn, first, first person in my family to go to college, uh, first person graduate from college and um, then ended up getting into financial services. My grandma had owned the cafe in town. My grandparents got divorced when I was younger uh, and ended up declaring bankruptcy my junior year of college. And, So I didn't know much about money, had never really had much, never really talked much about it. So decided I wanted to learn more about it. Got a job at a bank here in town my junior summer, worked there my senior year of college, and then got into the financial services industry right after college. So kind of how I got into this space. And uh, as you know, I know you work with a lot of financial advisors, a lot of different financial service organizations. It's just an incredible industry. Um, You you have the ability to build a great business, but also help a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't talk about that aspect of it enough, but I get to see it uh, almost on a daily basis with our advisors and just the impact they have on people's lives.
0: Well, hey, first off, God bless Western Kansas, man. That's a That's not yeah. a, an area where a lot of people are from. I spoke in an event one time in Hayes, Kansas.
1: Okay. Um, you, so I was uh, 30 minutes straight north of Hayes. Get out so of here. Hayes was the big town we all went to. So that's where, where you went and did your grocery shopping. Oh so. my gosh. Yep. Yeah.
0: That is, yeah. shout out Eagle Communications. That was a company, Hayes, Kansas. Oh yeah.
1: Back in the day. I remember them well.
0: three flights to get there from Iowa. That's so, <laughs> if you're listening, just know this guy, man, Cody has come a long way, come, coming from Western Kansas. First person. You probably could have
1: just drove there quicker than you than you flew there. Actually, I don't
0: know why I flew. So. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I'm I'm with you, man. So, well, listen. You you've grown this huge organization, and um, I want to talk about Advisors Excel because this thing started. You know, how many people get to build something with the first person they met in college? You're the first person in your family to go to college. What you have now is really special. It's unique. You've made the shift from advisor to executive leader. That's the shift that we're helping a lot of our coaching clients make. We have a lot of financial advisors who are listening, and this is a leadership podcast. So I want to hear what you learned in that transition, going from advisor to executive leader. What's been your maybe greatest uh, leadership lesson as you've made that turn and built a first-class enterprise?
1: Well, um, maybe a couple of things there. One thing I like to tell people is success um, isn't promised to any of us, but it's available to all of us. And I, I love the fact that, you know, when you, and, and I share this, if you look at my background, there was really nothing, even when I was probably 20, maybe 25 years old, I don't know that there's anything you would have saw in me that would have anticipated or, or given you a prediction that I would be um, co-leading an organization like Advisors Excel today. So I think because of that, one of the things that Dave and I both have just been constantly focused on is, is continuing to grow into the leaders that the organization needs as it grows. And I just, I'm a firm believer in that the business is never going to outpace the growth of the leaders of the business. So I I think as, as it's grown, and when we started this, we didn't envision it. You know, people always ask that, did you think it would look like this? And uh, the, the, the truth is we didn't, but I think what we've seen along the way is we started to have success that if we would continue to grow and develop as leaders, that, that we could push the, the growth of the organization. So I think just realizing no matter kind of your background or where you came from, th- there are certain things that are going to lead you to be successful. And if you do them, like you're going to have a great opportunity to do that. But uh, probably the, the number one there is just continuing to invest in your own personal development and growth. And and that's been a big, big thing for us. I mean, Dave and I are both, you know, kind of personal development junkies, whether that's reading podcasts, attending events. We go to uh, John Maxwell's leadership event every year together and start going to that and developed a relationship with him and just constantly trying to figure out how we can grow and get better. So that would be a big one. The second big one I would always probably give credit to is the the better people you hire around you, the more success that you're going to have. So is mm-hmm. the organization continued to grow and scale, we probably hit a point in... So we started the company in 2005. And, and we had a third partner, Derek, who was also a really close friend. You know, So the three of us uh, started it. In 2010, so about five years later, it got to a point where I think the three of us had become a bottleneck to the growth of the organization. We were controlling everything. Every decision was running through us. You know, The three of us would sit down and make every decision together. And had some good friends and mentors who are just like, you've got to get some better people around you, and you've got to start trusting them to take this as the organization gets more complex. And that's a hard thing to do. I, I see it with our advisors a lot that we support. You know, they're they're so involved in every aspect as it grows, learning to let go of some of those things. But what we've seen is, I mean, just exponential growth. The the better we've gotten at that and the better people we put around us, just the organization continues to grow at just this incredible rate. So a couple, you know, I guess or maybe three different key points in there.
0: Well, <clears throat> I've heard you talk repeatedly that your, your people are are the superpower. You know, you're quick to refer to the quality of your people and the talent level of your people, the commitment of your people. So when you're hiring Cody. There's a lot of leaders listening that are, you know, thinking about hiring and how they build their teams and what they, what to look for. And what are some of your philosophies around hiring and attracting talent?
1: Well, well, over overarching philosophy is it's really important. (laughs) Um, So at its most simple level, like being thoughtful about who you're hiring, that's probably the biggest mistake we were making for the first five, you know, maybe even seven years is as we were growing, and it's the mistake I see so many businesses make, is we were growing and needing to hire people. I mean, we were just hiring people. And I don't think we'd ever put a lot of time and thought into what type of person do we want to hire? And then what is the process that we have in place to make sure that we're getting those type of people? So uh, I'll never forget this. I was at an event with Darren Hardy, uh, who's become a good, good friend. And he made this statement. And at the time, literally like a week before I'd went to this event, Derek, our old partner told me, he's like, man, I don't know that I would have hired some of these people that that we've hired. And the three of us had removed ourselves from the hiring process, right? We we didn't really enjoy doing it. So it was like, hey, we've got some managers in place now. We'll just let them hire and just stepped out of it completely. And Darren said something there. I came back. because the first thing I, I talked to Dave and Derek about. He said, every single person you hire has the potential to impact your culture in a positive or negative way. And he's like, it is the CEO or business owner. It's the most important thing you do is, is the people you let in or onto your team. And so we came back and changed our entire hiring process went from basically, you know, we'd kind of screen them. They do an interview and usually get an offer to kind of a four, four step interview process with multiple people in different, different departments or different levels. Um, and I think that has helped. Uh, we re-engaged in the hiring process to where that final interview was with one of us as an owner. So we kind of had the final veto on it. And the reality is we never very seldom did we veto people, but it made the the other people that were hiring along the way more accountable, knowing like, hey, eventually I'm going to have to sit this person in front of one of our founders and I don't want to look stupid if they're like, why would you have thought this would be a good fit here? So I think just um, being very thoughtful about who you want to bring onto your team, but then the process you, you walk them through to identify that you're getting the right people is uh, a big, big, maybe the biggest part of it.
0: I want to underscore what you just said. You said every person you hire has the ability to impact or change your culture. Did I say that right? Got that right? Yeah, you said
1: that perfect. To and that wasn't, I stole that from Darren Hardy. So, so that, that was not my, my wisdom, but uh, I, I borrowed it from him.
0: But it's true, right? Like for better or worse, like our culture is sacred. And when you allow people into it, they have the ability to impact it and change it, you know, for better or worse. Um,
1: well, and one, one thing I'd say there too, Jordan, is um, it, it's almost more critical when you're a small business. And like we have 800 employees today. We're still, our, our processes are great. But you could have someone slip in and, and it may not spread or impact as much as if you have eight employees or a dozen employees, right? So I think being very thoughtful, and I say that because this is just a conversation I have with a lot of our advisors. Most of them have that. You know, they're eight to 15 employees. Like the smaller your organization, the more important it is because you can't miss on them, right? You've got to make sure because uh, yes. they can impact it very, very quickly, also.
0: Such a good word. I think for any, business leader, community leader that's listening. If you're running a small organization, it becomes more important uh, to protect the culture. Let's talk about culture. David Nurse said this. He said, your superpower, Cody, is your generosity, humility, and kindness. That's what he said. And then he told me, this guy believes in his people like crazy. Like he puts on these events and there's energy and belief and you're depositing belief and transferring energy and you're protecting and growing your culture. What are some of your philosophies on Retaining great people and developing a first class culture
1: um, you know, I think retention we, we want to retain as high, as high as we possibly can, just because of the cost of training and development and everything that goes into that. But well, you know one thing that I would say is my perspectives maybe changed a little bit on over the last few years, and some of this is losing some some long-term team members, is um, you're probably not going to keep everyone forever and the reality is if if we're doing the things that we profess that we want to do which is to grow and develop our people and turn them into you know not just better team members here but better you know husbands fathers moms daughters any of those things that there's a good chance some of your people are going to reach a point where they need to leave your organization to continue to grow and develop and that's probably not a perspective i had 5 years ago it's it's maybe one that has reinforced how much we believe in the idea of our people growing and developing and and being okay and comfortable with that and actually understanding that it's probably good for for them and for the organization for some of your people to move on um i i heard just to throw a sports reference i remember it just hit me i remember nick saban talking last year after they lost to kirby smart in the um in the national championship game and he said he's like don't don't get it wrong. I want to win every game and I hate losing, but there's no one I would rather lose to than Kirby Smart because I feel like he's been such a big part of what we've done too. So it just kind of hit me of like, you you want the best for your people, but you also understand that sometimes that may not be here for the rest of their life. So, um, But but going back to why I share all that is I think at the foundation of what we try and talk about in culture, one, we want people who are constantly trying to grow, develop, and get better. Um, a, a lot of people say that, but then don't actually invest the the money and resources into making that happen. So David and I, you know, the first time we had talked a bunch, first time we met in person, he came and spoke to our entire team. So once a quarter, we bring in someone to speak to our team. So you know, this year, um, with David, I think was late last year, we had John Gordon come in. Uh, we're, we're working on Eric Thomas right now, so I'm trying to get him in to speak to our team. So we're constantly trying to put them in environments where they can hear uh, from other great uh, thought leaders and and just invest into them. But then a lot of things that we would do just more internal to invest in their you know growth and development. So I think that's a big part of it. Uh, the second thing that's probably key to our culture, and I say this a lot, I would hope, while I think we do a lot of fun things and we work pretty hard, but do a lot of cool things to invest back into our team, I would hope more than anything else, what our team members would say here is that they actually believe Dave and I care about them. Mm. Um, so, if you remove all the the glitz and glamour and fun stuff, that that at the root of it, they would say that the decisions we make are out of a um, genuine care and respect for the people that work here and wanting what's best for them. So, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of tactical things we do, but at the root, I think it is just like actually trying to care about your people and and want the best for them also.
0: When I hear that in your spirit, you know, when you talk about loving people beyond the job, you know, like there's going to be a day where maybe they don't work at Advisors Excel, right? They, they go on to do something else. And I think the true test of character is how you treat people who can no longer do something for you. And I love that that's that's your, that's your spirit, right? You want to love people and care for them beyond the job. And also you want to select good people. Um, not maybe for their skill or expertise, but for their values and, and their character. Um, just came out of lunch with our women's basketball coach at Iowa, Lisa Bluter. we got a great basketball program here in Iowa. And she said, we recruit great women who happen to be good at basketball. And that's what I hear in your spirit, is you're looking for that's good-hearted good. people who have strong values, who also happen to have you know, a certain skill set or expertise.
1: She's had a couple good ones there lately, too. <laughs>
0: she she has. She's got Caitlin Clark now. And so shout yeah, out to the, yeah. to the basketball team at she Iowa. Is,
1: she is fun to watch. She is.
0: She's a spitfire, and she's um she's great to have on our side. So we we love having Caitlin. That's good. Hey, so you're a person of faith. You talk about faith very openly. Um, and I really admire that. I love that you wear your faith on your sleeve and you're willing to bring, you know, Jesus into the conversation. A couple questions around faith, but the first is How are you managing to share your faith um, and to lead for Jesus uh, in a corporate setting day in and day out as an executive leader? Um, How how do you how do you manage that uh, responsibility?
1: Yeah, it's always a tricky one to talk about a little bit. Um, I, I would say you know, we're called as Christians to be a light. And, and so I would say it's a foundation. I probably don't talk about it as much as, as I would hope that the actions and the way that I, going back to what we just talked about, the way that I treat people, the the way that we try and support our team um, would would reflect that much more than anything that I would ever say. And, and so I, I would say that's probably um, the, the foundation of everything that we're trying to do is like, if you say this, but then your actions don't align with it, you know, it's it's probably um, probably one of the biggest complaints you hear about Christians a lot of times. Right. Is that they're hypocrites, which kind of everyone is to some degree, but that that they say one thing and do another, et cetera. So I would say just um, actions probably speaking louder than words is is foundational to what we do, but um, not being afraid to necessarily share it in a way that's not overbearing, but that, that people know and, and they feel comfortable having that conversation or talking uh, talking with us about it at any point in time, I think is a, a big part of that also.
0: Yeah. I think Andy Stanley is the one that said, you know, sometimes what keeps people from Christ is Christians, right? Because there yeah, yeah. can be hip- hypocrisy or mixed messaging and how we you know, communicate to the outside world, but then conduct ourselves in a different way. So love what you said. Yeah. I, I too agree that, you know, what we do will always matter more than than what we say. Um, yep. In that vein, second part of the faith question, how have you stayed grounded, Cody? Obviously, you've experienced, you know, extreme levels of success. Uh, David and Brad both shared with me, you know, this guy's so humble that you maybe don't realize all of the wins that he's created. And then, you know, it's like you're bringing in Eric Thomas and you've interviewed Shaq and you have these huge events and you're so involved in the city of Topeka. And so God's positioned you to have great influence over people and he's trusted you with a lot. And you've managed to keep a spirit of humility in this process and stay grounded and lead through your values. What's that been like? And what would you say to somebody else who's experiencing experiencing success, but also attempting to stay grounded?
1: I, you know, I, I think it's one of the things I love about Topeka is that there's not this need to feel like you have to compete or keep up with, you know, w- with the Joneses per se. Um, I, I think there's a component of that that probably keeps us uh, us grounded and humble. Um, you know, two, I guess I would say maybe things tying back to that question. One. Um, and this is kind of, I wasn't on a faith journey. I kind of grew up in the church and then during college kind of fell away. Then as we were starting to have some success, started really trying to, to get back in, you know, deepen my faith back again. And my wife and I were looking for this church and now keep in mind, we'd been looking for a while and walk into this random church. I won't go into the whole story because it's too long. Uh, But (laughs) it was as our business was growing and I really had this like feeling of like, I really, this isn't all our doing, right? And, And I need to like, Plug back into that. In that morning, we walk into this brand new church on a whim. And I kind of said this little prayer of like, hey, God, if there's a reason, you know, you're sending me here like we all do, like, show me some big sign. Well, he did. The, the pastor comes out that morning and his story was on the parable of the talents, you know, and it felt like he was talking to me. Right. And so that has been a driving um since then my wife and I set up a foundation, it's called the aim five foundation, the five standing for the parable of the five talents. And it just hit me of like, Hey, God's going to bless all of us with certain gifts. Um, but, but someday we're going to be held accountable for, for what we did with those and how we use them. So I think that's one of the driving forces in it is I, I know that we work really hard and I know that we do some things really well. Um, but I'm also not naive enough to think that this is all on our own doing. And so I I want to make the most out of those. So I'm probably more focused on that than celebrating the the successes. So I think that helps. Uh the second one and this is this <laughs> this always sounds a little weird when I say it. So I don't I don't say it a lot to a lot of people, but it, in the grand scheme of eternity, I don't know that any of this stuff matters all that much. Um and, and I think that's always just given me a a healthy perspective. It's it's enabled me as the, the company's grown. Um, I have friends all the time that they're like, I don't understand. You've got all this stuff going on. I don't understand how you don't stress out more. And p- part of it, I think, just wired that way. But part of it too is I just have this perspective that, you know, even the most successful people in the world, 50 years after they're gone, nobody really remembers mm-hmm. their name short of, you know, maybe close friends or family. So um, just trying to keep that perspective. And I, I think, you know, in Ecclesiastes, we see that, right? Where so yeah. we, we see that we chase after a lot of this stuff. And in the <clears> end, it doesn't matter all that much. So I think just trying to, you know, keep that perspective and priorities in line is a, a big, big part of that too. Yeah, I love in
0: Philippians, you know, it talks about um, counting to all is loss, you know, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And yep. and I see that in you, man. Yeah, I see that perspective. And and I think God's given you a... Um, a humble spirit, you know, in your leadership journey. So admire that. Um, final question for you before we kind of sign off here. You're balancing family. You're a family man. I've heard you talk extensively about you know prioritizing family, making sure that the people that know you the best respect you the most. And yep. I want to hear about, as an executive leader, how you're managing responsibilities at work, responsibilities at home, and making sure that those two parts of your life are going well
1: well, um, by, by probably being very thoughtful in the things that I say no to. And, you know, I think the more success you have, the more directions that you get pulled in. And, and I've shared this with a few people of like, I, I kind of believe you can do two things well, uh, not more than two. And what I, what I mean by that, or I guess how I'll come back around to that, like the two most important priorities in my life right now are uh, my family. And as far as where I'm investing my time, and AE, right? Our work. Um, I have lots of opportunities to travel, go golf, do things with buddies. I, I say no to almost all of those things because I don't think I can do more than two things well. So I'm probably out of balance in the amount of time I spend between family and work. Um, you know, if you were looking at a perfect balance wheel, but to me, those are the the two big priorities in my life. So I'm going to say no to all the other things that, that aren't as important to me at, at you know, to make sure that I can be there for those things instead. So that's kind of a simple answer, but I, I do think it's one of the things that I see people, and especially the more success that, that people perceive that you're having, the more requests you're going to have on your time. So just trying to be thoughtful in that. And I think (laughs) early on in our career, I thought you were supposed to do all those things. And I I quickly realized like, I'm not going to be able to do all of those. Well, you mentioned Andy Stanley, he, he has this great advice he says where he's like, it's no for now, but not no forever. And just, you know, you're going to have these seasons where some of those things, you know, I shared before, my son's a senior, my daughter's a freshman. So we've got four, four and a half, five years max left, you know, with them in their house. And so I'm, I'm uber aware of like, man, these next five years got to be a lot about them. Um, you know, after that season of our life is gone, my wife and I are going to have a lot more free time to probably go do other stuff. But, you know, last night was volleyball, tonight's soccer, tomorrow night's volleyball. So, I mean, that's a, that consumes a lot of time right now. So, I think that's a big one. It's just being very thoughtful in what your priorities are and, and spending as much time on those and, and saying no to as many things as you possibly can.
0: The word no, so powerful believe it's Gary Keller said, you know, the word no will be the word that defines your life. And I think Craig Rochelle said, you know, we don't mature with our yes, we mature with our no. So love that you're saying no to the things that pull you away from your priorities (laughs) that are most important, Cody.
1: Trying my best at least to it. Well, man,
0: you are having a huge impact. I mean, again, to be in Topeka, Kansas and lead one of the fastest growing companies in financial services to experience the success that you've experienced and stay committed to the things in life that matter most um, is really uh, special. So just want to commend you on your journey. Thank you. Man, I'm looking forward to running this back with you, being on uh, your podcast. Um, Yeah,
1: you're coming on in a few weeks, I think. I'm looking
0: forward to it, man. That'll be a joy for sure. And I know that we have more work together in our future, more conversations to be had. If people want to find out more about you, Cody, the work at Advisors Excel, um, where they can look you up on social media platforms or dig into your content, where do people go to find you?
1: So I'm, I'm, um, I'm on Twitter a little bit. I think it's Cody G. Foster, Cody G. Foster. Uh, but even that, I kind of took a social media break for a while. So I'm not near as active as I probably used to be on there. That's about it. advisors 6 is our our website. As you said, and I know you're going to be a guest, the the Business of Advice podcast. Uh, so our team, even that, you know, I, I get a lot of the credit for it. Our team does a great job preparing that. But we've really had... Um, you mentioned Andy Stanley. I've had Andy on some other just great thought leaders on that. So, yeah, that's probably less learning and hearing more about me, although maybe you do through some of the conversations and um, more hearing from some other incredible thought leaders there, too. So, but that's that's about it. I'm not, I'm not that active on those other things. And some of that, again, is what I just said, you know, trying yeah. to what I what I saw is. um not to make, uh, I'll make a long story short, every every May on my birthday, I do my annual goal setting. So instead of doing it at the beginning of the year, I do it on my birthday. And I use Darren Hardy's living your best year ever uh, process that he does. And one of the questions he asked is what is something, as you look back over the last year that you need to do less of? And this year, one of my answers was spend time on social media. And then I looked back for the last three years and guess what? My answer was spend time. spend less time on social media. So sometimes the only way to make changes is drastic action. So I just deleted every app, logged out of everything and went uh, about four months without being on it at all. Um, Got back on a little just because of some things we're doing lately that I wanted to promote or post out a little bit, but I'll probably take another little uh, hiatus from it. And and Jordan, it was great. (laughs) Like what you'll, what you'll realize is you don't miss much. And then once you log back in, you'll see how addictive it can be. But um, you know, after a week of being off, I'm like, I'm, Don't really feel like I'm missing much of anything. So,
0: man, good for you. Yeah. I think all of us need to have more courage and taking a break, putting down the phone or, you know, the social media channels and uh, respect the fact that you're um, living real life with real people instead of, you know, the virtual world with social media.
1: Well, you know, one just final thought I'd share there is what what I've. I think what I learned over the last few months too, is that, um, and, and part of it too, is just some of the stuff going on, it'd become so divisive, right? Yeah. And all those, yeah, there's just these polar opposites um, and, and real life really doesn't work that way, you know? So, so getting off of that and then just spending time with friends and different friend groups and and realizing how much more most of us have in common than, than we don't is I think an important aspect of that. And I think, Social media is really good at, at at flipping that the other way. So,
0: well, I got I got one more question I want to ask you. Sure, um, which is a good dovetail because you know we're talking about social media and the distraction. I think also social media can bleed into insecurity, comparison, which can lead to mental health issues. I know you're t- you're uh, really passionate about this topic of mental health, and that topic hits really close yeah. to home for you. Um, could you tell us about some of the work you're doing right now um, to help folks in the realm of mental yeah. health?
1: Sure. Um, so, just uh, backstory: one, one of my best friends, um, par- partner in this church that we planted here in Topeka, but also key team member here at Advisors Excel, uh, took his life last March. So, March of twenty twenty one, and had always battled, uh, you know, with <clears throat> some anxiety, depression issues. But uh, I've never had many challenges with that. So, this just it wasn't it on my radar in a big, big way. I haven't. Family members haven't. But. Just kind of um, that shook me. And then I think through that process, just realizing how many of just our people here at AE are struggling with depression, anxiety, you know, all all these different things And, and then man, it's hard not to, you know, when you make everyone isolate and don't allow community. Um, we are seeing that right now, right? We're just seeing the negative effects of, of, you know, 2020 and the last few years manifest itself in just this mental health crisis. So, um, I tend to be someone who tries to take action. (laughs) So had an idea and it's a long, too long of a story for this podcast, but, uh, partnered with a guy named Damon Parker to start a, a new nonprofit It's called the Jones Project. Uh, Damon was a very successful wrestling coach here in Topeka um, who also has battled some of his own mental health challenges and pretty excited. so our our first step of the vision is to get him into every middle school high school in the state of Kansas and just be able to share his story, which is powerful man he he actually did it for all of our employees at AE last week and people, I mean, people were blown away. So get him in there and work with the schools to make sure that kids not only know that, Hey, this is a topic that you can talk about and that there's help available, but then work with the schools to make sure the kids know how to go access Mm -hmm. the resources that are available to them. So pretty excited about that. We just launched that June 1st um, of this year. So we're a, I think he's got about 30 schools booked already that he's going to be out and had just had his first one last week. So just seeing if we can find a way to change a little bit of the narrative around it and make, I think everyone, and we're seeing that, man, you know, there's so many, you know, it's been great to see so many athletes, celebrities come out talking about some of their own mental health challenges that they've had. And I think we're, we're at least doing a little better job of normalizing it, but just normalizing, talking about, it, it's not going to fix the problem, right? We, we also have to equip people with some of the, the tools and resources and help that they're going to need to, to overcome some of those challenges. So really focused on that, excited about that next project. I've definitely done some stuff that's even from a culture, I would tell everyone that listens to this, like check on your people, the people Mm -hmm. you work with, your friends, your family members. Uh, I was, if you would have asked me prior to to Josh taking his life, how many of our people at (coughs) AE struggled with anxiety, depression, let's just say mental health in general, I would have said, I don't know, two, maybe 5%. And I'd be probably understating it if it's 30 percent plus that that have kind of raised their hand to me and said, like, man, I battle this all the time. So it's just it kind of it's blown me away a little. And obviously, we see um, a lot of statistics right now about how bad it is. So just it's something important to to check in on right now. And I I wish I would have been more aware of it before, but I can't really change that now. So we're going to see if we can change it going forward. Well, it is
0: truly a crisis, and I appreciate you stepping on the front line. You know, to lead your people personally, professionally, to make that a priority, and um, to get behind that cause of fighting the the crisis. So, yeah, hey, we we covered a lot of ground here, Cody. Um, we did. <laughs> hiring, developing culture, mental health, uh, retaining great people, scaling, connecting. Um, man, I appreciate who you are. I appreciate the work you're putting out into the world. Uh, love that you're wearing your faith on your sleeve. That you're leading through your values and through your faith. Anything else that you want to share with our audience before I turn you loose and let you go?
1: No, I'm. You're right. We did cover a lot. I think to um, try and uh, compete with all the great guests you've had on there, we had to cover a lot of topics. You know, to make sure we hit them. Um, so they, they. I would say you've had so many awesome guests that people should go if they haven't listened to all of them should go back and listen to. So, um, no, I, I think it's the. I'll think of how I want to say this exactly, but I would say right now in our country, we are suffering from a bit of a leadership uh, void and you can apply that at any level that you want to apply that. Um, You you can look in the church (laughs) and some of the epic leadership failures in the church. Uh, You you can look at politics and, and some of the epic leadership failures in that you can look at business and look at some of the epic leadership failures. You can look at schools. Um, So I just think for everyone listening, like, in investing the time into trying to become the best leader you can possibly be is probably the best thing that you can do for our country right now. Uh, we so need more people to step up and into leadership roles that are going to lead the right way with the right values um, that, that really care about making a difference uh, for people. And I think that's probably the the only way we're going to turn some of this stuff around. I, I don't, I don't know that anyone looks and thinks that they they love the direction we're heading right now. So figuring out how we can change that. And I think that's going to start with all of us, you know, trying to develop our, our leadership potential and leadership skills.
0: Man, so well said. We have a tendency to think about leadership development in the context of leading others. And I think often we forget that it starts with us. It's not about us. Sure. It starts with us. And the hardest person to lead, the most important person to lead <laughs> is a person in the mirror. It's us, right? It's you, it's me, it's us leading each other, leading ourselves. So, um, man, this has been a blessing. Appreciate, Cody, who you are. I'm so glad and thankful that Brad Lominick and David Nurse connected us. Uh, Just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And I know our audience got better over the last 40 minutes as a result of spending time with Cody Foster. So thank you, man, for investing your time and energy in
1: our community. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to the uh, the return visit here in a few weeks.
0: Hey, I can't wait. we get to hang out again on your podcast. Again, if you haven't checked out that podcast, uh, go check out Cody's podcast. Check out his website. Check out his company. Check out his work. This guy's doing so much uh, in the world today to create impact. Um, and, uh, Cody, I just know that we're going to have many conversations moving forward. Look forward to a shared friendship for a long time to come.
1: Me too, buddy. Appreciate you having me. All right, brother. Be well. This
0: has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. Just want to say thanks again for tuning in, for investing your valuable time and energy with us in today's conversation. Thanks to our producers, John Choate, James Roth, Storyline Multimedia. Couldn't do this without you. You're the best. If you enjoyed this conversation, would you please share uh, this episode with somebody who you care about, somebody that needs to hear Carrie's message? Would you subscribe to our podcast that we might move our mission of impact forward in this world? This is a podcast that helps the leader go faster, farther. We hope that we've helped to do that. God bless you. Be well. Have a great day.